Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and I had to move a stand-up show in Boston to a bigger venue because we sold more tickets than we thought we would a long time ago. I'm Tommy Rico, and I attended a wedding that had to be moved from a ballroom to the parking lot when someone started a cigarette fire in the ventilation shaft. I'm Julie Harrison-Harney, and speaking of weddings, I was planning on getting married in Manhattan, but realized that I didn't have nearly enough money. So I did the next best thing and had the wedding on Staten Island. Wow. Well, that's a lot of movement. There's another event that had to be moved. But before we continue, we have some Bray King news. Dad joke. Hey, come on. We're both. He's a dad and I'm a dad. That's Uh, true. Of course, the he we're talking about, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, just before uh, we went on and uh, recorded this, sent out a series of tweets. It sounds like Bray's coming back in some form or another. And so I'll just go ahead and throw it to you guys. Where is he coming back? AEW or WWE? That was my question. John, you stole my question. Well, should we read the statement from Mr. Mr. Rotunda? All yes. right. So this is under his uh, Twitter account, which is listed as Wyatt six. So there's your first hint that he used the Wyatt name as opposed to the Wyndham or Rotunda name. Uh, so it's quote, Everything good that's ever happened to me first came a period horrible suffering. I think there's a missing word there. I never ask why. I just wait for the rough part to end. I was chosen for whatever reason, and I've got shit to do, and it doesn't hurt me anymore. It burns. I'm ready now. Red circle. That so You know red- what's so funny is I was so desensitized to everything online at this point, I didn't even notice the Wyatt inclusion. Wyatt six is how, mm. it's, how his uh, Twitter handle is listed. Uh, red circle, full circle. Um, we all well, let me know ask you this. Wyatt the... six. Is he starting a Motown group or a motel chain? <laughs> he's got, he's got a bar. He, he added two <laughs> members to his barbershop quartet. <laughs> Do we know what six is? So his Twitter handle is at Wyndham six. I'm just picturing that. That's how he gets H-A-M six. <laughs> You know that I mean, if it's was, like if the money's right and it's up to Vince and Bruce, absolutely it could be a barbershop, <laughs> a barber, mm, barbershop sextet. Mm. Bring back Ed Leslie. <laughs> Brutish the barber beefcake and lead the festivities. Well, All right, well, so former neighbor in Boston, Ed Leslie. So where oh, do we I, think WWE or AEW? I guess you just answered. You think WWE? Well, what's the fiend's notoriously worst match seth rollins hell in a cell oh yes so yep who's who's working at uh, hell in a cell this year seth rollins at hell in a cell i was there for that yep and uh yeah by the way i I should add not the performer's fault at all it's not seth's fault it's not wyndham's fault that match was poorly booked and had a schmoz finish it had a it had a finish where So Hell in a Cell is a no-holds-barred match, and it ended in a referee stoppage. We, so literally for a month leading up to that match, I was just the the new part-time, short-term puppy on the block. People there that had been there forever were worried about this thing. And just like, how are we going to do this? I could be wrong, but I'm fairly sure I think it was Bruce's idea to put Bray in that position, because... You know about Bruce? He's all about... Yeah, I know. It's interesting. It contradicts because in terms of Bruce's storytelling, he's a long-term storyteller. But the other side of Bruce that I know is like when there's a moment, you go for it. Like that's sort of 
his also his way of thinking. Um, and there was nobody. I mean, the fiend was red hot. Like it was the biggest star WWE had had over like a big biggest quote overnight star since like maybe I would say the rock when he really took off in 99 because Austin took a while. Austin took like, you know, a year and a half or so. Cena took a while. People forget about that. Cena took a couple of years. Uh, and then I would say, actually, I might say Undertaker. I might go all the way back to 91. I think that was probably the fiend was probably the biggest like in one year. Holy cow. Like, this is an amazing character. I'd say Undertaker. That was the last well, one. And so, so Bray Wyatt had disappeared from television for how long at that point? Before he became back, he, before he came back as the fiend, before he came back with the Firefly Funhouse vignettes. It was about a year, right? That he was yeah, off television? because he, there was the, the final deletion or something like that, that match yeah. with Matt Hardy, that he ended up in a lake. And yep. uh, <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> Where That's he what, found the intercontinental title that <laughs> the rock threw in there. Yes, he was thrown into a river in New Hampshire, and he emerged with a championship. <laughs> I can't lose! Um, but so what, when Bray came back after those Firefly Funhouse vignettes, First match in against Finn Balor. I think you're right. I don't, arguably, I don't know if there was a bigger re-debut of anybody. I think that's the biggest re-debut, and it's probably right. one of the biggest debuts for a new character ever. It was And huge. so I think it was, uh, allegedly, because everyone there, everyone at WWE, and Julie can back me up on this, right, Julie, is that whenever there's an idea that's like, may or may not work, it's, it, everyone says it's someone else's idea. Is that kind of fair to say? You know, there are just some people that are yeah. like that. Totally. And so Bruce was the one that got kind of everyone was saying, it's Bruce, because uh, he was working on Firefly uh, in slow motion. Everyone was like this. They're not going to do this. Right. It didn't make any sense. Bray had to win in order. Like we were just like, we're going to put Bray in the mix already. Um, and. Uh, it was Vince had this thing where he was like, I, I, I'm going to take care of it. And we thought there was going to be this surprise finish that was going to knock everybody like out of the water. And every time someone brought up in the room, like, you know, Hey, I really don't think we should be doing this, you know, in a more diplomatic way than that. Uh, Vince would say, put his hand up. Say, I got it. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. And then the true story was, uh, they got booed out of the building. Um, I mean, I worked on that, uh, pay-per-view. Um, I think, I think I pitched one of the matches that made it. And so it was an all hands on deck pay-per-view. Everyone worked. Everyone had stuff in the show. Um, but Vince was all about the Hell in a Cell match. And they got booed. And uh I, I was remote. Most people were remote for that one. I don't think most people went. And um allegedly when Vince heard everyone booing, he just went, ha, ha, ha. ah, fuck me. <laughs> And and actually true, had no. It was like a Michael Scott. It was like a Michael Scott office thing where it was like there was the big surprise, and there he was like thinking someone else was going to figure it out, and nobody did, and uh, it was bad. And the next day at work was um, rough. It was a uh, very, and uh, I, I think Vince's opening line was, "Well, got any ideas?" And he was basically owning up to, I don't know what he was thinking, 
how it was going to work. I guess he thought because the, the Fiend came back to life after the ref stoppage, he thought that would, like, the fans would be like, oh my God, even after almost dying under all those chairs, the Fiend came back. And what really happened was Wyndham really did almost suffocate underneath all those chairs. And instead of, oh my God, that's amazing, it was, what the hell? Why would anyone do any of this? So you think oh, he's coming back at Hell in a Cell? Yeah, fair to point out also the punishment that Wyndham Rotunda, the person, takes as the fiend of the character yeah. is ungodly. I yep. mean, it, it people don't always understand that no selling an opponent's offense means you're getting tatered. I mean, you're getting hit and you're getting pummeled and you're no selling it. You're pretending that it doesn't hurt. That takes a tremendous yeah. amount of, of suffering and it's, it's a tough character to play. I, I think the two biggest lies that we hear in the wrestling community all the time as far as what the fans believe versus what management believes is finishes don't matter and uh, wins and losses don't matter. That match proves they absolutely do. Both of them are very important and how you book them. I mean, they literally murdered their two biggest stars on a pay-per-view and they had to come back from that. It was a total mess. There's no, I mean, I see the prevailing wisdom in, okay, we're going to protect both guys. There are two of our biggest stars, maybe our two biggest stars. So we have to make them both look great and nobody wins, nobody loses. And it's a mess. You, somebody's got to go over. You can't do that with your two biggest stars because it just pisses everybody off. And to have a match as hot as that match should have been and with booing, it, it's inexcusable. I mean, it's terrible booking. Booing, throwing things. Yeah, there's a lot of... Vince got a kick out of it, though. <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't out there. <laughs> and he didn't have to... Do, yeah, he was just like, well, you'll fix it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what... he was. A, it was a very Jay Peterman moment for any Seinfeld fans out there, where Vince was just like, ah, well, have fun fixing this, Elaine. Julie, you would have been Elaine just a few months later. Robotics Where better. do you think he's going? Do you think he's AEW or WWE? Uh, I hope it's AEW. You know, a couple weeks ago, I, I would have said WWE, but now I'm kind of indifferent as to where I hope he and where I, here's what I think though. I think Tom's got a good theory, but that could also be a very big swerve. That's a very overt, like first pitch fastball. Like, see, you can hit this. And then the next one's in the dirt. And I think that, um, the judgment day that feels like a, what I, what I would call a pretaliation. Meaning that it feels like WWE trying to be like, get a jump on something they think might be going on. Cause it was just such a quickly thrown together stable. That's all of a sudden so dark. And for some reason they have the undertaker's chair and no one's brought that up. I just can't, I see that chair and you know what it is. It's like, you know, when like an ER when someone would show up in season 11, it was on season two, but there's playing a different character. I go, no, 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 no. You're not the train conductor. You're the cop. That's how I feel about that chair. I see that chair and I'm like, you're not Edge's chair. I know whose chair you, that's, that's not Edge's. Also, what's going on over there that they got to bring props out of like, you know, the museum that they're building and use them in the actual shit. Do you think like Vince calls the props and tells them like, you need like, how you feeling? And like, do they, do they get like the report that like the chair has been cleared? The chair is cleared to be in the show. The chair has passed all protocols. Yes. Like even Ric Flair is like that chair should not be in wrestling anymore. Um, but I think that's one thing. But then the other thing is um, 
the situation that we're going to get into is you get MJF, who really is upset about the way he's being treated. And by treated, we know paid in AEW. Can you guys give me some context for this? Yes, there's this gentleman named MJF, and he would like more money from the All Elite Wrestling. Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Okay. From Long Island, and he's the top heel in all of wrestling. To, to, 20, to 24 years old, I think, so he's yeah. Austin Theory's age. Huge he, star, biggest heel in the company. In the, in the industry, I would say, right? You Is think more than say? anyone at WWE. Oh, yeah, he lives the gimmick. He's like, he lived, like, like, on Twitter, like, if children tweet at him, if it's someone's, like, birthday, or they're celebrating their sobriety, or it's a charitable thing, he will say... Uh, I hope you get drunk and ruin your birthday. Like he will like for real is like that. And so the story goes, executives from USA were so taken that they actually presented MJF at a, at a meeting with WWE and said, this is who we want on our TV. We want someone like this. Now that got out to MJF and he started playing it as part of the angle, part of his heel gimmick in AEW. He started name dropping Bruce Pritchard. He started name dropping, I think, John Laurinaitis and kind of teasing about whether or not um, he might go. And so Tom would remember there was this uh, wrestler well, by the name of Brian Pillman who kind of did the same thing when it was yeah. like uh, the loose cannon, Brian Pillman. And he was in WCW and he was talking about I might leave, I might go to do And so then he, he talked to Eric Bischoff, the head of WCW, uh, into letting him leave as part of the gimmick and then left for real <laughs> and wound up in WWE. So like it, Eric kind of was like, wait a sec. Like he went to AEW, I think in between, I mean, to, sorry, to ECW in between. And then instead of coming back to WCW, just kept on going to then WWF. And that seems like that may be what happened with MJF that he did all this talk. And Tony was like, oh, wow. Ha ha ha. Awesome. Bad guy. And then it was like, wait, Oh no, he's really leaving. Maybe um, you guys had found an interesting figure. How much does MJF allegedly make for his base salary, and where are we getting that from in AEW? Okay, so we read um, this was reported by Wrestle Talk, who's they're one of the better YouTube outlets for wrestling. Uh, very funny guys, very well written segments. Um, we should have those guys so, on. Yeah, no, they're fun. they're terrific. Uh, they're, they're the guys from England. There right? is, yeah, I was gonna say there is a time change uh, situation with that. Uh, yeah, uh, no, Simon is what culture? Also very good. Okay. But, uh, Ollie Davis is the, uh, he's the head. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Over at, at, Doing both. Uh, WrestleTop. And they but say the, he's making 40 grand? So th- I think that's how he started. Supposedly that was his starting salary, which is believable because For at the time, at he would have been like, yeah, 21-year-old yeah. kid coming off the indie circuit. That's money. I think it was probably like that plus some merchandising points. Right. And he makes exponentially more now but there's no figure so exponentially more i don't think he's even making bottom level wwe talent money and that's got to be eating at him because so tony khan has a fortune behind him and is signing away all these wwe castaways and he's signing them away with similar money to what they were making at wwe but meanwhile, MJF is sitting on his old contract, and no matter how many times they've multiplied it, it can't be great. And he, there's no way he would be this willing to, you know, flirt with, uh, you know, contract violation. So he really wants out. 
And so, I can't blame him. He's for, the t- he, like, you can't, you can't pay a top five guy bottom five money at the other company. You get, there's no way you can do that with and keep him happy at the same time. He, so this was, this so is like another sports analogy. This is like a Scotty Pippen contract. This is like, oh, a, yeah. we signed you for a million years. And then next thing you know, you're the second best player in the league. And it's like, too bad. You're already under contract. The other yeah. You're the second best money. player in the yeah. league, but the first best player is also on your team, on your team. And he's getting all the money. Yeah. But so they had their pay-per-view double or nothing this past weekend. AEW did. And there was a fan event that MJF no showed. Mm. I think that is probably a work because it would make sense for a heel of the level of MJF to say, ah, fuck the fans. I'm not going to go to that. So that <laughs> makes it. I, I think that that's probably a work. And I think that there is some work in there, but I don't think MJF is happy. And I do think that there's some, there's some skullduggery going on. There's, there's some backstage stuff going on there. Not only the thing that made me wonder too, is that also somehow it got out. There was a plane ticket bought for MJF to fly out of Las Vegas and leave the site of the pay-per-view. So it became this big thing where it was like, is MJF going to show up at double or nothing? AEW's pay-per-view. Is he going to no show? Not only did he show he's in the first match against his former bodyguard Wardlow and what five power bombs. And then he lost. Yep, he, he put Wardlow so, over big, which was the way to end that feud, by the way. That was the way to blow off that feud was to take, take a beating, and he did. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to do, and he apparently showed up right before showtime. So, but again, but again that could be how much work. of that is work? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's work. I think it's a work, but the one thing that makes me think that there could be some truth to it is if they're bringing in another big star who's getting giant money, and all of a sudden we got a guy tweeting out the day this podcast gets dropped, the night of... Uh, dynamite. Hey, I'm, I'm coming back soon. So that's what makes me think. And he's also going back to Wyatt, which is not illegal in Twitter. And so it's like, I'm just like, man, why would you have this come out now? If you're coming back Friday, or next but here's Monday? the thing. So all three of us have watched AEW programming. Do any of us believe because I can say that I don't, I was there. Do, do I, any of us I, believe I that, when, that, that Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda Showing up in AEW can have the production values necessary to create a compelling character on that TV show. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't think so. I was in the room and it's been talked about on their podcast a lot, uh, mainly Eric Bischoff's and also I think Bruce Pritchard's maybe once. I was in the room with those two gentlemen plus the entire writing staff on the debut episode of AEW Dynamite. And um, it was interesting getting to watch Bruce and Eric sit next to each other and just kind of watch it. We were all kind of watching them watch it. And my takeaway from it was Bruce being Bruce looking at, you could see his brain working like things he would like, you could see him thinking of ways he might change it up. And then Eric seemed pretty, this could work. That seemed like the vibe. So, but that it raises an interesting question where everyone shows up in AEW. It's the same thing. Lights down, lights up. And they're there. It's the Scooby-Doo reveal. So, well, yeah. and, and they have a bloated roster of mostly WWE castoffs right now. I don't know that Wyndham can show up in AEW and make a mark like he could in WWE. And that's, but that's saying he do something WWE, significant. What does that, you get, but it, I don't know. I mean, one thing I will point out is that the judgment day was not as present on raw this Monday. It kind edge of felt was, like the edge was missing. Edge was missing. And so was yeah. the chair chair may have had another, it was, it was a holiday. Um, <laughs> I'm just what, stop laughing, guys. I'm being serious here. The chair matters. Has there ever been a performer in the ring longer waiting to go on 
than Liv Morgan on Monday Night <laughs> Raw the other night. Here's what happened. Liv. Yes, please tell me. I'm just going to, I wrote it down. I, I actually made a list of all the things that happened when Liv was coming out. Okay, so Liv is announced. Um, then there was um, a commercial, I believe. Then there was back in the arena, Corey Graves giving the Memorial Day salute, which led to a Memorial Day package, right? Then there was, uh, and then Liv's still in the ring. Then there was, um, um, like, we didn't even know who she was wrestling yet. And I think we went to commercial again. And then I can't even remember who, like, she was going up against, oh, Rhea Ripley. Going up against Rhea Ripley. Then Rhea's introduced. Then they show the video package of what's been going on with Rhea and Liv. Then as Liv's get, uh, Rhea's getting in the ring, they go to commercial again. And then they come back. And I was legitimately wondering if when they came back, like Liv's contract would have expired. Can you imagine if she if she just had to if she just had to like vamp the whole time like she she like yes and she would have yeah she had like a silent auction in the middle and then had like she had a, to do something a, t- a telethon for the lactose intolerant and then had to list upcoming events. <laughs> well, Julie, you were there when they went to commercial and everyone just stopped acting and forgot that there was still a live feed being sent out. Can you tell us about that, Ricky. Tell us that story real quick. We were down in the performance center, the height of COVID, the first time. And uh, as we were shooting, since there weren't any fans there, the superstars stopped down. They didn't keep wrestling. And the reason for that being is, um, you know, why, why risk? Why we're going to commercial break? Why would you have the wrestlers risk getting hurt when they're not on camera? But some international feed was able to pick up the fact that they stopped down and they started interacting with each other. That's not a great look or a great <laughs> no. thing, of course. That's not great. Um, but they did. Moving forward, it, was, it happened once. It got out on Twitter. Everyone was talking about it. And yeah, they made sure that that never, ever, ever happened again. Wasn't um, there also a time that when you guys were pre-taping, I read that didn't Vince used to come down himself a lot? Like he would go, God, over the thing and come down, go down to the ring and actually show everybody what he wanted them to do. Since there was no crowd, you guys are pre-taping. I can't remember a specific time when that happened, but I do remember we would be mid something, mid promo, mid, and it would you would hear someone's voice, the voice of God over the loudspeaker. Um, I don't think it was ever there where it was Vince, but you could hear people speaking and talking and communicating with each other. I honestly think it was Kevin Dunn. More, mm. if I remember correctly, the voice of God was Kevin Dunn to to reset and start over. But that happened a lot, especially early on, where uh, we would we would stop midway through and say, "Let's take it again." Vince McMahon has stopped uh, matches during live events that are being recorded and had them restart and has gone to the ring and told them what they yep. yeah with with audience in attendance yeah yeah not often but it's happened on television. No, so oh, uh, recorded. Oh. So like uh, when SmackDown was recorded, oh, okay. or uh, so he has Long come Island, out and stopped. Yeah, if I recall famously. Oh, uh, and then Gorilla Monsoon, if you ran past your time, would walk out with a stopwatch and stop the match. And as a kid, I used to think, oh, these that's thing. No, that was real. That was really uh, the, the late great Gorilla Monsoon. Um, and anyway, what did he say? 
He came out and said, will you stop? Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> but a lot of like a lot of stuff's going on. Uh, and this is all in Las Vegas, by the way. This is where the, the MJF thing was going on. And it was like, is he in Vegas? Is he not in Vegas? And there's been a lot of wrestling news in Vegas. Most notably. What arena was All or Nothing in in Vegas? The venue was the T-Mobile Arena. It was actually Paradise, Nevada. So sort of Las Vegas. Okay. It's, a, it's adjacent to the city. But the big news in terms of venues right now is that WWE was going to be in Allegiant Stadium, right? For money in the bank. Yep. The giant black building where the Las Vegas Raiders play. And it mm-hmm. has since been moved to the MGM Grand, the big green building where people play slot machines. Okay. <laughs> wow. So I'm just looking at the capacity here. Um, so this is about 70,000 people at least. And now they, they sold how many tickets? About 16, right? 16,000. Yeah, not enough. There were plenty of good seats available when I last checked. Cause I was thinking of going. So this is when you go from the rec center to the party room at Dave and Buster's for your birthday party. A lot of yeah. kids had piano lessons that day. Yeah, AEW had their event at the T-Mobile Arena, and the, the WWE is having MITB at uh, the T-Mobile store in Henderson, Nevada. And then uh, it makes sense it's T-Mobile because uh, MJF uh, skipped the reception. Dad Boom. joke. I just don't see what you're thinking, booking a stadium for money in the bank. And, the, and like the big thing for that is, the thing that makes that work is the... Um, how close you are to the action for money in the bank, you know, how close you are to everyone competing for people who don't know money in the bank. There's a suitcase suspended above the ring, men's match, women's match, uh, whoever climbs a ladder, there's many ladders placed around whoever climbs a ladder and gets a suitcase. There's a contract in there that says you can cash in at any time you want, literally anytime you want. Meaning that if someone's just had the snot beaten out of them and they can barely, barely stand, you can cash in and try to be champion. And the proximity to the ring, I think, is key. And they tried to do this in an arena where there's a lot of obstruction. There's a lot of like, I just don't I almost wonder if they never if they ever really planned on this being in the arena, because it really sure they sure seem to pivot quickly and swiftly to go from a stadium to an arena. Do you think someone was supposed to be booked who would help draw that? Do you think they were they were thinking they were booking? Maybe they didn't get locked down until just today. There's something really, uh, there's someone missing mm. and it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is not wrestling at Money That's in the Bank. Right. Guys. And he's their top guy. So. And they don't have anyone. Well, they quote, don't have anyone we know of. Yeah. It's not a terrible card, but it's not an outstanding one either. Uh, you know, there's got a couple of headline getting, matches. If they were getting Bray Wyatt, then they would have kept the venue. Hoping <laughs> How funny could. would it be if tonight, if like, if like this morning they were like, all of a sudden it was like, everybody, we're going Back to the stadium. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for that, it's man. Be great. That's 70,000 people. I don't uh, know if boss, we've ever we seen just, a. We uh, don't have all the tickets yet. We've uh, Make it happen. Get your kids to come, bros. I don't know if wrestling has ever seen a venue swerve. That'd be something. <laughs> well, no, famously, WrestleMania 7. Supposed to be in the LA Coliseum. But then for quote, security reasons for Sergeant Slaughter. They had to move it inside uh, the L.A. Uh, arena there. Um, I don't know. I just think um, 
boy, I would just love that. If all of a sudden two people did say, you know what? I am going to come. And then he just was like, we're going back. They're like, well, no, we've already leased it out to a soccer game. Get them the fuck off the field. <laughs> he just marches. <laughs> Remember when you were kids and like there'd be a fight over practice? Like, are you guys, so we have this place at 745. Get the fuck out of here. Gross. Go get orange slices for our kids. Do you have orange slices? No. Well, I love the fact that Vince McMahon is apparently um, and then, and then a, a, phone a basketball call. dad. For, uh, for his daughter, Stephanie. Yeah. And I and then, would love to have seen that. Would love to have seen Vince McMahon at his daughter's basketball game. I'd love to there see him at his grandkids. You know, like right now, this age, you know, because grandpa's I've seen always him fun. his grandkids. Yeah? How was yeah, that? Yeah, when I went to visit, like when I was working in late night, I was backstage. Yeah, I saw him with him and Shane and the great, and it was like, he was a grandfather. Oh, <laughs> he was doing like, I he had a that. quarter, and he, like, not making this up, he had a quarter, and he was showing him how to do like a magic trick. What? Yeah. Oh, and I the two that. younger ones were into it. The older one that I guess is like Shane's energy was like, mm-hmm. you know, is he, the one is that's he a football one, player now. He, yeah, he's playing College for Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not into the coin trick. But um, no, I just wonder if like, did you think Vince reacted in 80s, 90s Vince voice? Like when he was watching stuff, he was like, what, what's, what, what's going on? There's a pivot foot. Now there's two pivot feet. She's got two pivot feet. Wake up. Oh, my God. That's just what I want to know. Did Roddy go with him to the games? <laughs> that would just to shout out vaguely racist things. <laughs> oh God! And then there would be a long pause, and then just well, I didn't see it at all that way. Uh huh. The check's cleared. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you remember that in Superstars when they were like they forgot to do the edit, and Roddy would say something. There'd be this pause. It was probably Vince yelling. <laughs> but they would leave in the Roddy line. <laughs> yep. Can yeah. you imagine the B-roll on Roddy Piper back then? <laughs> no, I, I hope it doesn't come out because I love Roddy. No. And <laughs> this episode of Turnbuckles is sponsored by NordVPN. What is a VPN? VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. It's a service that safeguards your internet connection and privacy online. No one likes to be watched or tracked, even if they have nothing to hide. That's why it's important you step up your privacy game. When you're browsing through a VPN, your traffic is encrypted so no one can see what you do online. Anytime I connect to public Wi-Fi, I use NordVPN to encrypt my connection so that cyber criminals can't spy on my internet traffic, steal my data, or inject malware into my device. It is super easy to use. You can connect with one click, or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. It's also the fastest VPN out there, so you're never sacrificing speed. One of the best parts of NordVPN is that it lets you access your streaming content from anywhere. Let's say you're traveling abroad or don't live in the U.S. With NordVPN, you can set a U.S. location in one click and watch all the WWE Network shows you want. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com turnbuckles to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and free threat protection and one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash turnbuckles for your exclusive deal. (laughs) 
this whole MD- MJF thing. So it's interesting this happened because the money in the bank thing, our friend Tony Khan was having some fun with this money in the bank thing. The, the president of AEW, which leads us to one of my favorite segments. It's time once again for the Tony Awards. Now you guys know how this works. Tony Khan, uh, he's president. Uh, he inherited a lot of money from his dad and he uses Twitter a lot. When has that ever gone wrong? Um, so Tony was taking to Twitter and he was very gleeful about uh, the money in the bank situation. Got a little quiet when the MJF thing happened. <laughs> but left the tweets up. God bless him. Um, I, I know I deleted a tweet already today, but uh, we've all been there uh, just because it was taken out of context. I said, oh, no, that's not what I meant. But. Um, all right, let's go through the Tony Awards. Uh, we've all been there. Tony leaves them up. And let's breathe. Okay. Yesterday was one of my favorite days, including great visits with fans and media, a trip to LA for the most fulfilling meeting of my life with Warner Brothers Discovery leadership dinner with my dad and Dana White, where I got to break the news to Dana about money in the bank moving to MGM. Today, AEW, Rampage on TNT. So real quick, let's analyze that one. I just love how he always remembers to promote the show at the end of every tweet that he has. Just always, always be plugging. Always be plugging. Also, Uh, some clout dropping and some name dropping in there, huh? Warner Brothers Discovery Leadership, Dana White. Man, It was the most fulfilling meeting of his life. That's, I mean, gosh, what is that? That sounds like a, you know... It's like a yoga class where you see Jim Morrison. Didn't he buy the company at a meeting? <laughs> but just like, what? What happened in the meeting? Was the food really good? Like fulfilling meat? Who has a fulfilling meeting? My goodness. Uh, and then it was his, with his dad and Dana White. So there you go. And he got to break the news to Dana. Who I'm sure doesn't have social media and doesn't get updates. All right, so that's our first, but, and then at the end, today, AEW Rampage on TNT. So again, that's where the Trumpism comes into play for me, because he'll drag everyone down, and then at the end be like, by the way, catch me tonight on Hannity. You're welcome. Remember how Trump used to do that? He would be yep. like, the USA under Obama was a disaster. Everything was on fire, and there was shit on everyone's yard. I'll be on Fox and Friends tomorrow. Thank you. <laughs> like, it was just a very, like, turny thing. All right, that's yep. our first contender. Here's number two. This is he's 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 responding to his own tweet because everyone likes that genius move trying to take on Dana and the UFC in Vegas during International Fight Week. See you tonight on Friday night AEW Rampage at a special time tonight, six thirty p.m. Eastern, five thirty Central, four thirty Mountain, three thirty Pacific. Well, fuck you, Tony. What about people in Hawaii? You ever watched Young Rock? Ever heard of it? Not enough time clarification for me. I'm confused. Thumbs down for me. I only got four time zones there. Huh? What about people in Nova Scotia? When the fuck can they watch it? What if you're over there in Scotland? Huh? You go to Loch Ness? You go for a little swim? You want to watch some wrestling? Doesn't say anything there. And here's our third contender. Tony's talking about CM Punk. And he said... 
We just did a record pay-per-view by every pay-per-view. He's done a four pay-per-view cycle now. Every one of them was the record. Whether it was All Out, where he was a huge part of the draw with Darby, his debut was a huge thing with the first dance, the biggest rampage draw in the history of that show. The matches, he carried the Friday Night War, which, by the way, is our matter of record in fucking court in the state of California that we won the Monday Night War. Just ask Jerry McDivitt, who's WWE's lawyer. I don't know how he got in here because he fucking wrote it. What? This guy won it versus Matt Seidel, who was a great wrestler. Tom, isn't he the guy that did the move off the top and landed on his head? Like, yeah, he de- he debuted in AEW with a botched entrance. <laughs> yeah, he jumped up on the ropes and slipped and fell right on his head. So Matt yeah. Seidel, who was a great wrestler, he had another <laughs> of all people, you know, like and that's like this. Imagine Vince tweeting out like and Titus, who's always great at running into the ring. Um <laughs> doesn't fall down at all. He had another goddamn great match on Friday night. This fucking guy, he fucking did the Friday night war. He did the first dance. I turned into John Mulaney when I read his Tony Khan. He's done the record double or nothing. He did a record all out debut. He's a big part of the full gear. Great match with Eddie. He goes on and on and on. Then he did the main, the goddamn main event here. He's the biggest part of financial success in the history of this company. But we have to disqualify that third one. You know why guys? Cause I tricked you. That's not a tweet. That's the thing Tony said in person at the press conference following Double or Nothing. I was going to say the character limit has just gotten out of control on Twitter. That's the case. <laughs> but he has. But he said this as a human being in a room full of people. I watched that unhinged rant and it, it, it came off like he drank an espresso machine before he came on. without any and espresso. Was, he and, inha- and, inhaled the machinery. And he, it, I, I swear he said all of those words in like 10 seconds. Yeah, I know. It I, was I watched it and nuts. I was like, I couldn't. And, well, by, and by the way, a why bunch is he talking that, about Jerry McDivitt, the lawyer from the steroid trials? Well, and what was the Friday night war? The half hour that they crossed paths with SmackDown a couple of times because basketball no, was in the way. One well, time. What is that? One time. Yeah. It, the Friday it, Night so, War. It was a half There are hour. so many, so many things in there that are just unverifiable. What is what is going stats. on in, in just in, in general with people? There, there's no, there's no reality anymore. We're all just saying whatever shit we want. Like I mean, you know, that, like Tony so, Khan listens to this podcast. He's gonna get so mad, and I'm just gonna stay with that because you can say whatever you want now. I guess. Why is uh, Jerry McDiv and then Matt Seidel? The guy, like what? Like why? It's, like these are all like intentionally crazy things. It's and worth he watching even the clip. By the different way, time zones it happened. Well, it's worth watching the clip because seated next to Tony Khan during this unhinged screed is CM Punk, <laughs> whose facial expressions I can yeah. only describe as like sad Ben Affleck. It was Jim That's from the like, office. He yeah. was Jim from the office next to Michael after his like fourth can of Coke. It really yeah. did. It was the first time you could see in CM Punk. I mean, like he, he saved it, but man, yeah, there was a hint of what the fuck. Oh my God. Going on right there. Which by the way, shout out to CM Punk for defeating bike to win his <laughs> a- first AEW world championship. Go back and listen to Sadie names him. Everybody bike. Had he, a beat rough the, night. he beat the brakes off a of bike. <laughs> he did. Um, there was no kickstand for bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we love CM Punk, uh, and I'm I happy to see him. Well, that's our choice. We have the one where he talks about the most amazing dinner of his life, and he had the best meeting ever where he saw God. And then uh, the second one, he tells us what time 
his show is on in every place geographic, every place that's listed in the song Kokomo. He tells you what time you can watch the show. Which which one do we like better? Oh, definitely number two for me. Yeah, List out all the time zones. All the time. I zones. went. I just wanted to get less Shout and out to less. Mountain time, which never gets any fucking recognition. It doesn't. It doesn't. Good for I you, agree. Tony. Good for I you. Just, I think this can escalate nicely too. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be contrarian. I'm gonna say number one because I just love him name dropping with like the the dexterity of using a machete. Like he's just. Oh yeah, Dana White. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> Discovery Leadership. Yep, yep. I know him. So you I like the Regis Feldman Tony Khan? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Mike Love uh, Tony Khan. It takes me all over, all all these wonderful places. I say number two, and Julie said number two. You're the winner of the Tony Awards. And I'm going to plug AEW Dynamite Wednesday at eight on TBS. And AEW Rampage, Friday at 10 on TNT. And it is now time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. We don't have a ton of time to talk about Raw this week, and perhaps that's for the best. Um, it seemed like an interesting uh, episode, and I use interesting in a not yay sort of way. A diplomatic way? Yeah. Uh, never quite hit its stride, I think. Is it fair to say that? Uh, we kick well, off. I gotta, yet- I gotta be honest with you guys. You, you both told me how terrible this raw was, hey, sh- and, at, no, and I guess. watched it, and uh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I, but there were also, some tech problems up front. By the way, where there was some problems advertising this show. I just want to mention the program info for Monday Night Raw last night advertised that the broadcast team of Vic Joseph, Jerry Lawler, and Dio Madden would be calling the matches, including one featuring Rhea Ripley. Um, so, <laughs> I was very disappointed. I didn't see. I didn't get to see the debut of Rhea Ripley, but uh, there, there's some weirdness to last night's show. But I didn't hate and didn't it. Didn't someone there was some call Bianca Belair Rhea Ripley recently too? That was like someone was Jerry. calling from the ring. Jerry. Someone used the Jerry. wrong name. I think it was Lawler. Um. Anyway, uh, we started. Also, again. just I just want to clarify that I was only able to watch clips from YouTube. Uh-huh. Of of last night's show because yeah. it was not available on Hulu yeah. during my lunch break when I was planning to you, watch. Yeah. Peacock doesn't have any episodes from May. The last episode available is from April. So right. that hasn't been updated in a really long time. It was not on on demand either. No. I do have cable. I wasn't available. I uh, actually. So someone was seeing what we were seeing. Yeah. So it I'm was just saying it was, you couldn't find it anywhere today. Yeah, I could not find the show. So I all either. I have in Wasn't context is that I actually reached out to Hulu support to try to get answers. But then I just like two minutes. Was also, was John like, Laurinaitis for some reason. Hi there. We tried unplugging your computer. Let me move it to a different seat there. It'll work better. <laughs> um, anyway, we start. With <laughs> I'm always going to work that in somehow. Smooth this move. Moved all my things while, while welcoming me to the company. Becky promo uh, in Ibiaka versus Asuka. Um, we seem to be getting redundant. I'm just going to say it. We seem to be getting redundant matches, which I think is, it just is. And it's a byproduct of a three-hour show. We, three hours, man. I'm sorry. Like, I understand. They've been doing it for 10 years. They think, you know, they've had some great Raws as of late. But, man, three hours, that's just too long for... We agree for three hours is just I got to get out of my chair at two hours, no matter what nowadays. 
Well, here's here's the problem with the three hour format is that where do you make the cut? Do you make the cut from eight to nine or do you make the cut from uh, 10 to 11? I would think nowadays they would make the cut from 10 to 11, right, Julie? Because they're trying to stay PG. But I don't think I think just putting on my business hat, no one would ever say. And I get it. I get the. The, if someone's offering you three hours to, and paying you money and advertising money for it, why would a brand be like, yeah, I'll, I'll shorten it to two and take less money? That would be ridiculous. So well, I get it, why there's three. You just have to program. Well, could it you better. put another know, program I, on after the two hours of raw or could you put a program on from eight to nine? Because I think that was discussed when I was there. That was talked about a little bit of all people. Jerry Lawler kept bringing it up. Uh, I was told by the senior writers who were on the road. And then eventually they kind of started thinking about it because of Monday Night Football. You're going up against kickoff of Monday Night Football. Most of those games are duds mm. by the time it's like 10 o'clock at night and their halftime takes forever. So people switch. And so the thinking was, could you do like a throwback sort of show, sort of like a main event, that sort of thing from eight to nine, which is almost like a kickoff show for pay-per-view where you'd have panel. They'll get you fired up about what's going to happen in the show. You'd have matches go on during it. The kids could watch. And then at nine o'clock, you know, all bets are off. You stole, the, you stole my point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the red, then the red lighting comes out and it's like the Raw's war and the, and you go like that. Or could you do, do you stick key PG, go eight, to 10, and then at 10 have like a docuseries, have our truth late night show that I know our truth. Oh, is, I love that idea. Yeah. Like, do you do something different from 10? I just think you have to, everything has to change and evolve. I mean, like, the analogy I always use is look at baseball right now. It's a mess and they, it's a mess of their own doing that they've had 20 years to fix and they haven't. And it's like no one's sticking around. No one watches a full baseball game. No one watches. So what can you do to make your show two hours and what could you put in that third hour? Here's here's my fix. And it's based on I, Jerry the King Lawler was correct, I think, in his assertion. Oh, so what sold more pay-per-views than almost Anything WWE did back in the Attitude Era, Sunday Night Heat, Mm. you put that first hour, you do exactly what you were talking about. You do panel, you do recap packages, video packages, you do maybe a match, maybe two matches with low card talent, and then you go into nine o'clock at Monday Night Raw. The problem is, is that when you look at the late hour as the negative, it's not ancient history where Raw in that final hour, including the overrun, used to do massive numbers. That's the true. problem is people aren't psyched enough to get there anymore. And I no. think the best way to do that is that first hour, you give them a very different looking, by the way. The presentation has to be sharply different. It has to feel more and, and look more like a recap show. And then, boom, you get them psyched up. And then 9 o'clock, all of a sudden, kerboom, the pyro goes off and people are all psyched for the show. I think that's the way to roll. The final hour, I think that's where you would have a massive... If you decided to do something different from 10 to 11, I think that's where there would be a huge drop-off and you might lose some advertisers for that. So maybe you just... Maybe the answer is right there. It's Monday Night Heat before Monday Night Raw. And then you sell it as we're creating a new... Sh- we, we have an extra show. We're not giving up an hour. We have a brand new show. And, and Caleb Braxton hosts. Yes. Caleb Braxton's been publicly looking to do more and that she'd be great. Oh my gosh, that'd be so great. She's she the best. Like, can I, she, can she I pitch an a, alternative would, idea? Sure. Of course. Uh, I just want a second stream of Monday Night Raw 
and uh-huh. I want uh, the Peyton brothers to <laughs> the Manning brothers to do it. Provide or I sorry, got a, the I Manning got a brothers. For you. What about what if it's Ezekiel and Elias? <laughs> yes, that's, that's the answer. Hear. Can that's you imagine? What I want. Oh my gosh! I need. I guess that's exactly right what there. I want. Hey, that's I'm exactly just throwing it out there because we're pitching free ideas today. Hey, Ed, take this and run with it. I want. Yes. I want like once we're like a month more into this angle. I want when Elias finally shows up. I want Ezekiel and Elias to do the Manning brothers in the jackets, like they're doing it, and have Kevin Owens's brain blow up. Three like, hours I just of raw. Want that to be the. Ah! Which brings me to my next point. Uh, so this keeps going. I love this program. I love the Ezekiel thing. I love seeing where they're going to go with it, which maybe means I'm getting my expectations up a little bit too much. Uh, I love that they're acting like Kevin Owens is crazy. Like it really is something I would have loved as a kid. He, this is like I've said, this would have been the Bobby Heenan thing where Bobby Heenan's going, I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to prove to you peons. This is the same guy. And everyone, will you stop You're crazy brain? Like that's what KO is doing. But I'm going to ask you a question to you guys. What is, can you explain to me then Julie, it's, am I sexist in asking this? And which always means yes, by the way. Um, I don't even need the question. Answers what yet. is the difference? But I'm being objective here. What is the difference between Alexa Bliss's current character and Liv Morgan's current character? One has a doll. Could you, uh, what is it? The doll. Without get rid of the doll. You hadn't had your coffee yet. You pull into the arena. They're the first person you see. Hundred times out of a hundred, are you going to get who you're talking to, or are you going to get them confused? I know I'm getting them confused forty times at least out of a hundred. Same kind of theme music, same look. They act the same in the ring. It feels like it feels like Alexa got the character Liv thought she was getting, yet Liv held on to that character. Now Liv is like teetering with joining the Judgment Day, and Alexa still has the doll. And there's two. When are we going to tell one of these two people you got like, I don't you're the same. You know, the difference between Liv Morgan and uh, Alexa Bliss right now is one word. It's effort. And Alexa is sleepwalking through her matches. I don't know what you just keep burying Alexa. Yeah, because because your wife's going to yell at you again, Tom. Here's this has that. No, no, no. We're not there. This is not. This is not a, a, a you, I just thing, saw the but, look in Tom's eyes, by the way, it was a, but, oh, oh crap. You're right. He's messaging no, our, no. our producer but, right now. This, this is actually, so Liv got involved. Unfortunately, uh, Liv was on the, in the crosshairs of a certain old head ego podcaster. Uh, that term is CN punks, not mine. But so, uh, earlier this week, uh, one of those old head ego podcasters called Liv too pretty, too small and awkward. And Yikes. uh oh yeah, fuck exactly. Him. I don't care. Exactly. Fuck that. I'm so, sorry. Fuck you. Whoever yeah. said that, I don't know who that is, but fuck you. <laughs> yes. It's not someone fuck in the building still, is it? So uh Tom, no, it's not so, okay, because then I was gonna, no, no, no. <laughs> I was gonna be like, what fuck the you. fuck? No, it is someone we right, have complimented well, in the past. You, though. you and I both cried as we it, looked it, at rain and we realized it is someone we have commented in the past, and those are all his quotes. Um First of all, he called her too small, too awkward, too small, too, it's too small, awkward and too pretty. Yeah. And so here's the thing. If you want to separate yourself from the too pretty line, you can. But here's the thing. Every woman in WWE, there's there's no standard for what anybody should think is beautiful. All right. Everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has different likes and dislikes. So in that match alone, 
this same old head ego podcaster raved about uh, Rhea Ripley because she's strong and she's powerful and she's big and she's believable. But so now you're calling you're calling Rhea ugly, which is not true. And you're calling Liv too pretty, which is completely unverifiable and not true. Liv is a really hard worker. And she is someone I did not believe in when I first saw. And over the last six months, she has put in tremendous work, including in this match with Rhea Ripley, where she opened up a giant bleeding gash on her leg and got a big win over, over Rhea. And she's over with the crowd. The crowd loves her. Liv she's also not had awkward. to like open a small business in the ring waiting for the match to start. Yeah, yeah exactly. She opened a Domino's franchise and was very successful. During yep, the, she, uh, sold, she sold timeshares in Florida. Um, My goodness. But Liv has really won me over, and I think she's won the crowd over. It, it, she's getting a bigger pop every time she comes out, and she puts in good work. She puts on good matches. And I'll to also hear say that, that Liv's talked about this in interviews, so I'm not, I'm not breaking an, an NDA saying this, that there were tremendous plans. Uh, so two writers, um, Julia, the, we both know, I think, uh, Aaron and Betsy, worked with uh, Liv Morgan on a tremendous return plan in late 2019. And then the next thing I knew, I turned on my TV and she's taking part in a lesbian angle with uh, Rusev and Lana and breaking up their wedding. And even I remember Jerry going, huh? <laughs> Jerry Lawler did. Anytime you have that kind of angle and you don't get, ah! and instead you get, huh? Oof. That was, uh, it was not over. And then I don't know what happened. She, it was going to be an amazing thing. Maybe they can revisit it someday. Maybe that's what they're doing now with the judgment day. But I have, I give Liv credit for that. Cause imagine you come back to that, that wonky rushed. Julia, I think you were there for that, right? When they, were you there for the conversation of that? Maybe we'll yeah, talk at that about point, that. It was just Liv, get on TV. Ugh. Just, just so get on just TV. thrown out there, right? That's what I heard. We like didn't, during, we didn't want to wait any longer. It was, it was just show. like any way to get her on TV yeah. so we can start booking her. That was the most it, important thing. No one recognized her. Did you all see like her as a no star back music. then? There was no Titan Tron. No one recognized her in the live crowd. It was just a weird wonky thing that at home. Well, they had like, vignettes leading up. She had three vignettes. I yeah, think. Yeah, but that was the character. Like there was a character she was going to do mm. very unique. Mm. And, but think uh, about that. She, she went from that. She went from, uh, completely out of era lesbian angle to yeah. uh, a completely changed character that they didn't execute to just showing up in a ring gear. And she went from that to this. Mm -hmm. She's a legitimate big star. Now she's a top star in the women's division and a top star in the company. And that should be praised. I mean, she puts on really good work. The too pretty thing, by the way, really bothers me because I think John, you, you and I hear this in stand up. Well, no, we hear this in stand-up a lot, and it's always in reference to female comics. Oh, this one's too pretty. That one's too pretty. You get a pretty girl with five funny jokes, and she gets on television. And it's just infuriating to hear that kind of stuff, because now, now you are putting uh, a division between, okay, someone who is attractive, conventionally or otherwise, can't do anything else. What the fuck is that? What, what, kind, of, what kind of mantra is that? If you, if you want people to succeed in your company, you can't have that, uh, th that idea that someone is to anything. And I think that the women's division now uh, has more depth and it has more appeal than it's ever had because there's a diversity to it that it was never there before. And I think Liv and Alexa look like the women of 10 years ago did. 
Whereas mm. they look the Divas era, all they all had kind of a similar look. Once coming to the ring with a fucking doll, for Christ's sake. Yep. And and, and all, by the way, I don't want to hate on Alexa, but she's not putting no, on it's good not her work. fault. Alexa is no. going. I mean, she's anyway. And and who just departed the company a couple weeks ago? That's right, Stephanie McMahon. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple other time. people too. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, you got that right. Um, a couple other women. Anyway, if you guys, <laughs> if after all that, you guys want, if we want to see if Rock is, in my opinion, um, not not the greatest go home show last night. And yeah, I'm I'm not a writer that's been there forever. Then again, do you totally brag about that if you haven't ever been promoted? Just saying. Um, but uh, I've been a fan forever, and I've watched go home shows forever, and uh, not one of the best go home shows I've ever seen. Ever, in fact, maybe the murkiest. Um, it felt like we were starting with our main event and working backwards, and that was not great, especially on a night with no basketball. Uh, so, if you want to see if Raw can rebound, tune in next Monday at eight on USA. Tune into SmackDown this coming Friday and every Friday at eight. Friday night SmackDown on Fox and on the Winged Rainbow, the Peacock Network. Tune into Hell in a Cell. The Sunday and see if our guy comes back or tune in tonight on TBS and see if Wyndham or Bray or some variation thereof makes his big return. Could be a fun time for wrestling, but man, we got to have some things go right because it's been a bumpy couple weeks. Thank you for listening to Turnbuckles. Please subscribe. Give us five stars. Why not a nice review? I love it. Yeah. We're making some socials. Email us. And Please email uh, us. most importantly, and now more than ever, in the summertime, I beg of you, Mr. Chairman, sir, let the writer dress like writers. And writers, I don't mean comedy writer. You know Hawaiian shirts. You're not happy court. You still show some respect. I want you to get a nice shirt with a collar and an alligator right on your nipple. You wear that crap to work. Vince, let him get away with it. See ya, buckleheads. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.